Psalm 71 this evening, if you will, please. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O God, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of the mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thine honor all the day. Cast me not off from thine old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that laid wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him, persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness, thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have shown thy strength unto the generation, and thy power to everyone that is to come. I'd like to share a middle-aged reason for hope tonight. You feel like you're in your golden years this evening? <laughs> Somebody said the golden years is when we get stuck with the years and the doctor gets all the gold. Maybe there's some truth to that. I don't know. How many can relate to that one? <laughs> Psalm 71 has no inscriptions, and there's been various guesses as to who the author of this psalm really was. Some have suggested because of the writing style that Jeremiah the weeping prophet could have penned these words. That's an educated guess. No one knows for sure. But the truth of the matter is, we know these words are indeed inspired of God, and they are powerful words as we read them. While the psalm reveals the past and the future of Israel, it's also a lot of spiritual instruction for any of us as believers that will read this word, adhere to this word, and listen to this word as well. On account of verses 9 and 18, it's been termed the psalm for old age. Look, if you will, at verse 9. Cast me not off in the time of my old age. Forsake me not when my strength fails. Look at verse 18. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, uh, forsake me not until I have shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power for every one that is to come. It's often been said we're too soon old and we're too late smart. And old age has a way of creeping up on us. A guy not long ago said it didn't creep up on me. It took a fast gallop. And you know, you turn around twice and it seems like you've been old. You can tell you're getting old when you see a girl you think you used to date and find out it's her granddaughter. That's when you know you're really getting old. 
But that being said, I want to bring out three points from this text tonight, if I may. First of all, pray with hope as you face the older years. Pray with hope as you face the older years. I was thinking about a movie we watched as a kid growing up. I didn't watch it as a kid, but my kids growing up. It was called Pollyanna. Anybody remember the old Disney movie, Pollyanna, from many, many years ago? Uh, that's when movies were good movies. It's still a good movie, and I think you should watch it if you've not seen it. It's a good one. And I remember that Pollyanna was raised with a mom and dad on the mission field. They were extremely poor, and her mom and dad died, and she was taken in by her aunt. And her aunt was a very wealthy, a very wealthy woman, but very... Uh, very pious in her ways, had a morose look on her face. She was kind of an aristotic type person, and uh, she just very snooty, and everything was prim and trot proper and all that. And uh, all the servants in the house, they just, it just was a bad place to live. But Pollyanna brought into that environment, she was tolerated by her aunt more than she was loved by her aunt. And yet Pollyanna had an approach that said, I'm going to have a, I'd be happy about no matter what circumstance comes my way. No matter what happens, I can find something to be happy about. No matter what somebody says, I can be happy. No matter what happens, the circumstance, I can be happy in. And her, her personality was electrifying. Uh, she had a personality that people was attracted to, and uh, her character was something else. Her, her outlook on life was just contagious. Well, David was much like that within his life as well. If anyone could have written this psalm, it could have been David uh, rather than Jeremiah, as some have said. The story of David is anything but boring. The story of David will not put you to sleep. The story of David is extremely fascinating. Uh, when David was just a, ch a, a kid, he, he kept his father's sheep uh, out in the field, and David loved the stars at night and the skies at night, and I believe he loved the green grass and the beautiful water. He loved the sheep. He loved the outdoors. And yet David was the man that uh, he wasn't out chasing women and out playing basketball. He was fighting off bears and fighting off lions uh, from his father's sheep. And apparently he liked the solitude of the night sky. And he liked everything the sheep had to hold for him. I believe he was a deep thinker. I believe he had a lot of deep thoughts, a lot of philosophical questions he asked. I can't help but believe that David prayed a lot and came into contact with God uh, through the nature of the outdoors during that particular time. And things even got better for him. If he fought off the bear and the sheep, things got better for him. Uh, one day he went down to see the battle between the Israelites and, and the Philistines and all the Israelite army uh, were running for their life because Goliath, that big Philistine giant, uh, came out to defy the armies of Israel. And David's little ruddy, red-headed boy uh, basically said, Who are you to defy the armies of Israel? You come against us uh, with a sword and a shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. And David reached down and picked up a few stones and with a slingshot and by faith in God he ran toward Goliath and killed uh, that giant of a man uh, right where he was at. And the Bible let me know that uh, David become a great warrior in the, in the army of, of Israel during that particular time. Even a song had been sung about David and about Saul and that was Saul has killed his thousands but David has killed his ten thousands. It was during that time that Nathan anointed him to be the next king of Israel. And yet there was such a jealousy within the heart of Saul that David spent most of his adult life uh, running from Saul who was trying to kill him uh, because of the jealousy that he went through. Not too long after Saul died, David was made king of Israel. It was a united Israel during that time. And things were again going very, very good for this man by the name of David. 
But then all of a sudden, he fell out of the stupid tree, and he ever limb on the way down. Uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He goes out and has her husband Uriah killed, basically, uh, on a suicide mission at that time. And here David finds himself now once again understanding, what have I done? What's going on? He tried to hide and cover his sin. But Nathan the prophet said to David, Now therefore, the sword will never depart from your house, because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to your own. Well, friend, the sword never did leave uh, the house of David. Know, if you will, that soon afterward his infant son died. One of his daughters was raped by his half-brother, uh, David's son Amnon. Uh, that, in, that, that made David's son Absalom so mad uh, that Absalom had his half-brother uh, killed as well. Then Absalom was banished from uh, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of David during that time only to come back uh, for a short time and wanted to try to overthrow the throne his dad was sitting on. And he was riding down through on a horse one night, got his hair hung in a, in a tree. Uh, and then one of David's generals came by and stabbed Absalom to death and how that broke the heart of David himself. And while his heart was broken, he loved Absalom. He was a handsome kid, and David loved him dearly. But during that particular time, this is just a microcosm of the problems that David faced in his life. Adultery, rape, murder, high treason. That was all the family affair of this man by the name of David. Pollyanna doesn't hold a candle to what David himself went through. But in this psalm, if indeed it was written by David, said, You have made me to see troubles many and bitter. As David got older, he found his military power uh, slipping away from under his own power. Several times he had run-ins with General Joab and the, his brothers, uh, but the, he didn't have enough power to do anything about it. By the end of his life, Scripture said that David became a weak man. Circulation in his body was not working very well, uh, so there had to be somebody who would lay down with him at night to try to keep him warm and to keep the body temperature uh, somewhat elevated, keep him comfortable. In Psalm 71, David seemed to foresee the day that he could not defend himself when his enemies would come in and exploit his own weakness. Note what David wrote, if it was him. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the evil and the cruel men. Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Be not far from me, O God. Come quickly, O my God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. Unfortunately, what David thought would happen to him, in fact, if he wrote this psalm, did happen to him. When David was really old and bedridden, another son uh, tried to take his throne. His name was Adadijah. Adadijah himself uh, tried to overcome the kingdom of David, and the kingdom of David was to fall upon the hands of Solomon. 
But now Adonijah uh, tried to come in, and now Solomon and Bathsheba and even David's life itself, they were all in peril. They were all in jeopardy uh, because this one rotten son uh, wanted to come and take over uh, the kingdom of his dad. But David knew one thing in his old age. There is only one person that can help him, and that was God. No wonder they would say some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but I trust in the name of the Lord. David is, the, is not the only person in life uh, who felt like he was helpless in old age. I've talked to a lot of people today that feel like their best days are behind them. I've talked to a lot of people that feel like that they've got one foot in the grave and another foot on the banana peel. They feel like they've been forsaken by friends, feel like they've been forsaken by family. And there's some, if you'll pardon me, feel like in the nursing home that nobody loves them whatsoever. I remind you, church, that there are reasons that many times our elderly parents have got to be placed in nursing homes because we may not have the financial ability to help. And we may not have the physical strength to help. But there are sometimes people just cast their parents away uh, just like an old shoe because they simply don't want them. I remember years ago there was two old men sitting on a park bench in a nursing home and they were conversing back and forth and one of them said, how many kids do you have, Henry? He said, I had five kids. How many do you have, Larry? And Larry said, I had seven kids. He bowed his head and said, isn't that something? One old man can take care of seven kids, but seven kids can't take care of one old man. There are many people like that in this world, but don't you mention what I'm saying. There are some people that nursing home is where they got to go because that's the only resort they have. Uh, we may not have the physical strength or the finances to be able to help them, and that's understandable. But David's not the only person to pray for help when he's being helplessly attacked. I would imagine there are tons of elderly people around this world who've been neglected by family, been neglected by friends, been neglected by nursing homes, who've suddenly turned to God for refuge because there was nowhere else to go. I remind you, just because we are old or getting older does not mean that God has forsaken us. And there's a lot of times elderly people feel like, man, my best days are behind me. I've, I've done it all, and God has forgotten me. I'm just left here to die. Do not believe that for a moment. David didn't. David said, I was young, and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, and I've never seen his be uh, uh, children begging for bread. Uh, they, many times I've seen some of the elderly turn to God as a refuge because they didn't where to go. Jesus said, come unto me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He encourages the young to call upon him. He encourages the middle aged to call upon him. And he encourages the elderly to call upon him, especially when we're weary and when we are burdened. Uh, God has not God will not and God cannot forsake us just because uh, we have a hoary head or just because uh, we may be weak in body or just because circulation don't flow through our body as it should or just because enemies come around us as did with David. God will not, cannot forsake us in our old age. Now the difference with this psalm, however, shows that this prayer was not just a last minute prayer of David. It was not just his last minute of thinking for David. He wrote, for you you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth have I relied on you and brought you forth from my mother's womb. Faith in the psalmist was long lived. Ever since birth, he said, I've had my faith in you. As a teenage boy, I had my faith in you. As, as a king running from Saul, I, I had faith in you. When I committed the adultery and had this guy killed, I still had faith in you. You never forsook me then, and God, you're not going to forsake me now. I, I, I just feel so sorry for so many elderly people. 
people today that feel like they have nobody, they have nothing to stand upon, and they feel, oh, let me tell you, God Almighty will not forsake you in your last days of illness upon this world today. That's how God wants us to call him all of our lives, in the good times, in the bad times, when we are young and when we are old. Now, some of you today may know someone who only calls you when they need something. How many of you feel like sometimes that you're like a tool in the garage? You just hang there until somebody needs you. Everybody get that way? Then all of a sudden they call you up and say, Hi, how are you? All of a sudden they're interested in you because they need something from you. Now I think we all got just enough of old Adam and Eve in us that old carnality just kind of sticks up and we want to say, What do you want? Where have you been? But we don't do that. We kind of play the game and give what they want, hoping that's going to change, and that's the last time you see them until you've got to call up and get that tool back from them, so to speak, okay? Does it hurt you when people do that? Think about God. If the only time that we call upon God is when we need something, if the only time that we call upon God is when we're hurting, when enemies are around us, when something drives us to our knees, how that must hurt the Lord himself. When you receive those kind of phone calls, you feel like you're being used, and you may respond sharply with those people, but do we treat God the same way? Do we intend to pray for something only after all of our resources have run out, when we're old and when we're gray? I thank God for any man and woman that give their heart to Jesus. Statistically speaking, the older a person gets, the more difficult it is for that person to give his or her heart to the Lord. I thank God for any elderly person that gets saved. But more times than not, a soul has been saved, but a life has been spent, and it's been ruined. God saves us at any age, but oh, how good it is for the children, for the teenagers to get saved because not only has a soul been saved, but a life has been saved. God will take the leftovers of a world spent. I led one of my grandmothers to the Lord on her deathbed at 60-some years of age. All of her life was a living hell. I don't think she had a moment of peace that I saw. She was depressed. She didn't, she just was a, a just, it was awful to watch her. She raised me as a kid. I loved her. But she always thought they was going around in the coal when they sat on the coal field. Thoughts are going to run out of wood to burn in the, in the stove, and they had 70-some acres of timber. I mean, it just, it just worried. And probably had the first dollar she ever made because she's afraid to spend it. A hard-working woman day and night, but I hardly ever see her smile once in a blue moon. But on her deathbed, I was able to lead her to the Lord. And I pray today that it took, again, a soul was saved, thank God, but a life was used. God wants us to call upon him in the good times and the bad times, in the night seasons and the light seasons. He wants us to call upon us in sickness and health. He wants us to call upon him when we're young and when we're old as well. Again, God wants us to pray to him all the time. He wants our fellowship. He wants our communion. Thank God he wants us. But if we don't just talk to God and listen to God for the fun of it, I believe we're going to miss something with the Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, and all your mind. So don't come to him just in despair. Don't come to him just as last resort. Come to him out of the sheer joy of being with him. Secondly, I believe we can learn from David. 
Life or live with hope as you reflect on your years. Live with hope as you reflect upon your years. Even though David had a serious lapse in judgment when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, I think he had a serious lapse in judgment when he had Uriah killed. I think he had a serious lapse in judgment when he was also a number of the children of Israel when he didn't have to do that. I remind you once again, the Bible lets me know it was not in his best interest to do that. Yet he had a lifetime memory of the relationship he had with God all through his life. Sometimes as we get older especially, we begin to be haunted by skeletons hanging in the closets in younger days. I talked to a man some weeks ago in his 90s who loves the Lord that's having trouble remembering the past, remembering things that's been under the blood for years, remembering things that the enemy brings up just to put on. Let me tell you, the enemy is ruthless. He never gives up on us no matter how old we are or how long we've served the Lord. But David could remember all of his mess-ups, but he remembered the goodness of God. He remembered the faithfulness of God. Note what David said here of the Lord. He said, He's my rock. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my righteousness. He is my redeemer. He could remember in his old age, God delivered me from the hand of the bear and the hand of the lion. David re remembered that God delivered me from the hand of the big Philistine and gave me a victory. Uh, I, I remember that God delivered me uh, and Saul's army, the many that I killed. And he could go on to say, I remember how he spared me uh, from King Saul trying to chase me down and kill me. I remember how uh, he delivered me from my kids trying to murder me. I remember how he ca caused Joab not to be successful in the things that he tried to do unto me. He faced the prospect of his final years of this life. He had confidence in a future hope because remember the God that was with him in the past. Even as older people, we don't live in the past. We, uh, we rejoice in what God's done for us in the past, but we have a future hope. Amen. Just because we're old don't mean we don't have a hope, thank God. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Scripture said. He knew God as a friend, and he knew that the Lord would stick to him closer than a brother. He wrote, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God. You have done great things. Who, O God, is like you? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. As David neared the end of his life, he wasn't filled with anger and despair. Thank God he was filled with hope and energy. Why? Because the Bible said he knew that God would restore his life again from the depths of the earth. To me, David was speaking of there's going to be a resurrection. I know that there's a Messiah coming that's going to overcome sin, going to overcome death, going to overcome the grave. My Redeemer lives. He could say the same thing as did Job and he wanted to, I believe. But the truth of the matter is, David said, I'm not living in the past. I may not be what I used to be, but thank God he's still all he is. 
and I've got a future even when my hair gets gray, uh, when my body wears out, I've got a future in the world to come. Thank God he had a hope in the Messiah that was to come. How many of us can say that we've been through a quarter of things that David's been through? How many of us can say, I've had a child or children die? How many of us can say, I've committed adultery and had somebody killed? How many of us could say, man, I've been surrounded by enemies in my life that want to do nothing but harm me and hurt me? How many could say, I know what it's like for my children to want to rob me and murder me and, and steal off of me? Many, can we say those things? Many of us cannot, but David could. In the midst of all this, David remained hopeful. In the midst of all this, David remained faithful. In the midst of all this, David remained uh, with a, a, a joy in his life knowing this old world is just a changing world. It's just going through it. I'm going somewhere a whole lot better uh, when my life ends here. He based his life basically uh, not on faith, not on money that he had, not on how long he lived, not on how long his children lived, but he based it upon the fact there's going to be a better day coming. It's called resurrection. David saw that. He based it on the many times that God had delivered him in the past. Have you even know it's sometimes we forget what God's done for us in the past? You don't have to be old for that. But sometimes as we get older, we feel sorry for ourselves. Anybody? I told a lady this morning on the telephone about insurance. I said, I am emotionally not ready for this. I'm not supposed to be old and 65. So we said, boy, I wish I was 65 again. But it's amazing as we get older, we see our troubles, we see our problems, we see what we don't have, we, don't, we see the health we used to have, we remember all these things, but we forget the faithfulness of God Amen. through every stage of our life. Young people, children, as young youth, as teenagers, as middle-aged, God's been faithful. And I think there are times as older people we need to just stop and say, Lord, pull the curtain of time back. Let me remember what you did for me. I was talking to my wife last night about a blessing of God that we had both forgotten about many years ago and just reminds me of the goodness of God. When we get old, friend, we may feel like we have one foot in the grave and another on the banana peel. Let me assure you, if you'll just think back and remember the goodness of God, that God has not left you, that God has not changed, and He will not change uh, during the time of old age. When you read the Psalms, to me this Psalm, it kind of brings a sense of shame. Why? We have greater blessings than did David. David lived in the shadow of the promises that you and I can rely upon. And if David could muster up the faith to say, now that I'm old, I can remember what the Lord did for me. He forgave me. He restored me. He delivered me. He met my needs. If he, and, and look at all the promises that we have. And sometimes we still murmur and we grumble and complain. We know Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus is in the back of the right hand of God the Father. And now, whosoever calls upon him can and shall be saved. Do we have the optimism of David? Do we have the hope of David? If we had gone through just half of what David had gone through, knowing myself, I'd probably say, let me off this, stop this merry-go-round, let me off, I'm done. But David never gave up. He never gave up on himself. He never gave up on God in any stage of his life. And we have this powerful testimony of this man we read in your hearing tonight. Now, there's a lot I could say here, but let me hasten on. 
When Jesus Christ came to this world the first time, we call that Christmas and we celebrate. All the promises of the Old Testament were now being fulfilled at His first coming. God in the flesh came upon this earth. Why? To seek and save that which was lost. Amen. That has been fulfilled. He came and He conquered, He overcame, and He's gone back. But it doesn't end there, we well know. He promised He is coming again. That's the second coming. So what, one of the things that keeps me going tonight is knowing that Jesus that came the first time is the Jesus that's coming the second time. Amen. And all of this old gray hair and all of this old stuff that we have is going to be given away one day. i got to tell you this. When I went home this past couple weeks ago to visit with my, with my mom again, my, I flew into Roanoke, Virginia. My sister let me have her five-speed red convertible Mustang. I love it. I put that top down and this old gray hair just flying in the wind. I feel like a 20-year-old until I stopped. It took Vaseline and a shoehorn to get me out of that thing. And I realized that indeed I was old, but how much fun I had at the moment. I go out to play basketball with the grandkids sometime, and I've got all these moves. I mean, I used to have more moves than a bucket full of worms, boy, playing ball. I could do it. My word, I almost get caught at my own ankles now trying to go up just for a layup. I know what to do. I just can't do it. I get down, and it's a sight watching me try to get up. And used to, it came so easy. But the hope that I have is one day I'm going to have a body fashioned like the glorious body of Jesus Christ my Lord. That's the hope, church, that we have tonight. He's coming again. David, I think, understood that. So in our old age, remember the goodness of God. Remember the faithfulness of God. In old age, he's the same God today he was when you met him. How many years ago it may have been. And let me close tonight. We pray with hope as we face older years. We love, or we live with hope as we reflect on those years. And now we should share our hope with others as we go through these years. We share our hope. Where is our hope? Well, I sure hope that welfare don't work out. I sure hope they don't run out of Social Security. I sure hope they got Medicare by the time I get there because I paid into it, blessed God. That's been my conversation for a while. But my hope is not there. I've got to share my hope of salvation with people. Life for the psalmist was not pessimistic and despair. The older he got, the more he wanted to proclaim the mighty acts of God. Know what he said. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God. I will, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Wow. This guy is lying in the bed, circulation not working, got to have somebody lay with him and give him heat. The King James said they got heat, laying there to get gat heat. And he said, Oh God, let me proclaim your goodness to the next generation. He did not give up on himself. He may not have been what he used to be, but he was still somebody. And as long as there was air in his lungs, as long as there was somebody out there before him, he had a platform to share about the faithfulness of God. My dad would have been 86 a week or so after he died. Mom would turn 87 in just a couple of weeks. 
talked to her last night. My wife called her. Well, I've got one of my rental apartments. The lady moved out, and another lady's moving in, and I talked to her about Jesus for an hour tonight. Lord, how, man, go for it, Mom. Go for it. Even my dad's funeral. Dad was a quiet man, but he wanted me to tell people about the love of God that changed his life. As my dad's body lie there in that casket, there was a living testimony of the power of God. Our works do follow us. And what I want to try to tell you, friend, don't feel like this job of telling people about the love of God is for the next generation. We hadn't checked out of this game yet. We haven't checked out of this. People will listen to you out of respect. People will listen to you because you've got a life of experience. People listen to you because you've got some knowledge up here on top of that head, corn, that gray hair. We've got to proclaim the goodness of God. And that's exactly what David himself did here. He wanted to live long enough to share his faith. As a result, he said, I become like a billboard. I become like a sign. I become a living advertisement. I become an advertisement of what God can do. And that's the way David lived his life. Our life should be a living sign, a living billboard of the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. His witness was like a sign, a miracle, a banner for people to read. David was a living witness of the grace of God. Some people hated him for it. Some people loved him for it. But he didn't care. He lived his life, and David would say, I'm going to show forth what God's done for me and give him praise as long as there's breath in my lungs. Oh, that God would fill me with that kind of zeal. Oh, that God would fill us with that kind of zeal. We can say, oh, Lord, I'm hurt today. I can't do nothing. No, you can say something. You can tell somebody, this old body's wearing out, but one day I'm going to have a brand new one, praise God. You can always witness and tell people about the goodness of God. You may think you're too old to get excited. You may think you've got one foot in the grave, you don't have to, you, but you don't have to stop. You don't have to be perfect to tell people about Jesus. You have to be perfectly healthy to tell people about Jesus. David wasn't. You don't have to have a blameless past to tell people about Jesus. All you need to do is be forgiven and thank God you are. Glory. Instead of covering your past, or letting that hinder you from testifying of Christ, you can let your past prove as a testimony of the faithfulness of God. How many people come and say, oh, I did this. Well, let me tell you about me, man. I want to dig up nothing about my life, but let me tell you what God forgave me from some pretty raunchy stuff. He can do it for you. He can do it for you. So we can still have a lot to share with people today. As we live an age when people are becoming more and more angry and pessimistic about life, think about the wonderful testimony you can give of hope, the hope that you found, not in church, but the hope you found in Jesus Christ. If you and I don't tell people about this love of God, they're going to stand before the judgment bar of God when we have an ample opportunity to share and didn't, and I don't want to be placed in that position. Let me close. What you hope in tonight? Don't give up on yourself just because you feel like you're older. Amen. And to the young people here tonight, and there are many of you, you don't have to wait and get old before God can use you. When you get old, He don't want to stop using you. But right where we are, let God use us. 
to be a light before a dark world. Oh.